thanks to you ever so much for joining us again for our weekly time together. We want you to know that we're really happy that you're part of our See How Life Works family, and that family consists of anybody who's looking for a better way to live, who's looking for some way to trade in fear to love. Every once in a while, I find myself thinking with a smile, I wish I had known me 45 years ago, which really translates into, I wish I had known then what I know now. So our intention is to pass on a lot of hard-won information. We'd like to save you some time and money and hassle and pain and get you moving on to a happier life faster. And we need to take a look at the fact that at any moment, you can experience your life in any way. And it depends entirely on whether we're operating out of that lower fearful frequency or out of a higher, more loving frequency. And we need to make clear that when we talk about high and low, we are not talking about good or bad or right or wrong. We're just talking about the frequency at which our energy fields, which is what we are, are vibrating. And the problem is, is that when we operate at a lower or more fearful frequency, life is distorted. We don't really see the clear full picture. And people have used the example, and it's a very apt one, that if you look out a window that's all dirty and sooty and muddy and has defects of one kind or the other, that you can't really see out very well. And it's sort of that idea that just as your view is distorted under those circumstances, our experience, the way we feel, what we see, what we presume, what we perceive is distorted. And it can go either way. It can be an awful experience for most of us, can seem like something lovely for someone else or vice versa. To give you an example, some long time ago, I read an essay about a woman who was imprisoned in a camp in Germany during the First World War, not the Second. And she was alone in a very cold and dark prison, and outside her little window, she could hear the sound of the guard's feet crunching on the gravel as he walked back and forth to guard the place. Naturally, she felt awful. And what all of us do under circumstances that are unfavorable, we resist and we push and we hate being there and we do everything to try to not experience what we're experiencing. Well, at some point, she gave up. She just stopped fighting the inevitable situation in which she found herself. And she said, something amazing occurred. All of a sudden, the dark didn't seem foreboding. It seemed very comforting instead. And in this place where she was alone, she felt strangely very supported rather than isolated. And most amazing of all to me, because I'm a big music lover, this really got my attention, is that she said the sound of those boots crunching on the gravel outside started to sound like music. 
So I think that's the most marvelous example of what something that looks awful when is experienced with no resistance, no judgment, just simply this is where I am and this is what's happening. This is a possibility. And so now I want to tell you a cautionary tale about the difficulty that one can create for oneself when one gets caught in that fear frequency, which I did. Now, I told you the last time about a trip to Tahiti. And what, of course, I didn't tell you because it was not germane to that subject is on the way home, as we boarded the airplane, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and for no reason, I started to feel afraid about getting on this flight. I can't fathom why I had flown over oceans before and since, and never was there any concern about that. But as I got on this flight, I kept thinking, oh, what if I don't get home and I leave my little boys orphans? And that story got a grip. And the more that story spun around in my head, the worse things got. So we flew for I don't know how long, and we landed in Samoa to pick up some more passengers. And the fellow who sat down next to me, of all things, turned out to have a job of flying around the Pacific Rim and taking measurements from tidal wave measuring equipment. And so as he chats away, he said, and by the way, two planes have gone down this week. And I don't remember what he said happened to the first one, but he said, and the second one started to land short of the runway in Hawaii. Well, Hawaii is where we were headed. So naturally, my heart starts pumping even harder than before. So I am sinking further and further into being afraid, oh, if I ever get home, I will never, ever step outside my house again. Well, of course I did. But nevertheless, we did finally make it home to Denver. And the next day, my next door neighbor came over and she wanted to know about our trip and to tell us all of what had happened while we were gone. And the big, exciting, upsetting news, you know how we love the exciting and upsetting news, she said was that there was a rapist in a big part of Denver where rapists normally didn't hang out, you know, in a very nice part of town. And that everybody was trying to find this guy and she gave me a description of what he looked like and so on. And I didn't think much about that except, okay, file that away. Well, later that afternoon, my doorbell rings and I approach going across um, a dining room window, which I have to do to get around to answer the door. And I look out and to my utter horror, this person that I see ringing my doorbell is the exact description of the as yet unapprehended rapist. Well, my intuitive sense was immediately dropped to the floor right there under that window and up very close to the wall so that if he should look in, he wouldn't see me. The thing that was interesting about that, as an aside, is it's the only time in my life where the intuitive process wasn't just a thought of something that I needed to do. It was like a powerful force pushing me to the ground. It was really pretty amazing. Now, my little kids were in the back yard, and I kept thinking, oh, 
I hope they don't decide to start World War III and give away the fact that somebody is home. But they didn't. All remained quiet in the backyard. The guy finally left. And after a minute or so, I peeked up and looked out the window over the windowsill, only to see him get in this old, battered, beat-up car that was parked directly across the street from my house. Now, no one will ever convince me that there was not an exact correlation between the degree of fearful signal that I was sending out. Because remember, the energies that we are don't stay locally in our houses. They are out everywhere. We are non-local energy fields. And he came to my house like a heat-seeking missile. And of course, I called the police and I was very apprehensive still because that night I knew my husband would not be coming home. We came home at such a time that he had to go to work, then leave to go to another city to spend two days teaching a class. So as you can imagine, I didn't get much sleep that night thinking, what if this guy comes back? Well, he didn't. And a few days later, he was apprehended and that was the end of that story. But what I want to pass on to you is that I didn't have any skills for dealing with that kind of fear because in the first place, it was really very rare for me. And also because most of us in our world grow up to be emotionally illiterate. Now that's not supposed to be a judgment or a criticism. It's that most of us are raised by parents who do not themselves know how to handle emotions or what to do with them. So who's to teach us? And still to this day, you don't see much of that kind of mentoring available to any of us. Some of the younger children with much more aware parents are in much better shape, but unfortunately, they're still in the minority. So what I want to do now is to make sure that you have some options if you find yourself afraid. One thing you can do is breathe because whether you realize it or not, when any of us are really afraid, we make the breathing very shallow. We almost hyperventilate. In fact, or sometimes they just stop breathing altogether until the process forces us to take a breath. So if you conscientiously decide to take deep breaths, that will help a lot. The other thing, which would never have occurred to me in a million years at that point, is you don't have to be afraid of your fear. Who knew? I had no idea that I could just be the observer of the fear, feel it, feel what was going on, and let it simply be there. Well, the idea of just letting it be there was a complete unknown to me. I was busy fighting it as hard as I could possibly fight it. Well, that certainly was making things worse, although I didn't know that at the time. So fighting against how you feel is a very big mistake. So instead, what you want to do is just experience what your experience actually is. Another thing that's essential to do is stop the storyline. The storyline kept going around in my mind. My little boys with their noses pressed up against the glass waiting for mommy to come home and mommy's at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Well, that's just ridiculous. So 
What I didn't realize is how much damage I was doing to myself by continuing to repeat the story over and over and over again. So I want you to know that you can stop and instead put your attention on the sensations that you're feeling in the body. Just begin to notice what's happening across my chest, what's happening in my head, what's happening in my throat, what's happening in my guts. Just put your attention away from the story and on to the bodily sensations you're having, and that will reduce this a great deal. I could also have said to the guy jabbering away about planes going down in the Pacific that this was really frightening to me and I would like for him to stop or that I had to not have this conversation anymore, but I was paralyzed from my early conditioning that said you have to be polite and nice to people. So I'm sitting here listening to this tale rather than speaking up for myself. Speak up for yourself. What I could have done is to say to my husband and my friends, I am so scared. Does anybody have a pill? Can you just knock me out with something? Or I at least want to tell you how utterly afraid I am and this is what I am afraid of. But again, being plagued with this, I can't let anybody know how upset I am because I'm supposed to be a grown-up person and I bought into the story that I'm not supposed to be having any of these feelings, so I certainly cannot let on that I am. I hope that some of these things might sound a little familiar to you and that you will take these ideas to heart. Another thing that I could have done is pay attention to someone else and see what I could do to be helpful to them. That's not stuffing or suppressing or resisting my feeling. It's taking the attention and putting it someplace else. So any of these things can help a great deal. And those are some of the things that I wish I had known a long time ago. And I hope you will find them helpful now because all of these things are a way of choosing love over fear of raising our frequency. Remember that fear is at one end, you might say, of a certain spectrum, and love is at the other. My goal at this point is to raise my frequency, and the more I do, the more comforted and the more at peace and the safer I will feel. So it's good to know that you have those options available to you, and I hope you'll remember those and pass those on when you can. And I'll look forward to talking to you next week. Bye.